When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Josh Ennis Show. Howdy and welcome in. Josh Ennis Show. Good morning, friends. Glad you are with us or with me today. Hello. Glad to have uh, the pod back. I'm still getting responses from people saying, hey, when are you bringing the pod back, bro? Well, the pod's back. Let's go. Telephone, tell a friend. Let everybody know. So uh, today is um, World Teachers Day or World Teacher Appreciation Day. I have a, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I got a weird feeling about teachers or an indifferent feeling about teachers because I've had some really great teachers in my time, like people that I just, I loved and had a great relationship with, you guys know this, that my uh, former high school principal is still one of my best friends and we have a, uh, like I thought of him as another dad, I was best friends with his son in high school, even though we were two totally different types of people. Like, the only thing we had in common is we were on the basketball team. After that, we had nothing in common, really, in terms of what we were into. Like, he was a hunter, and, and like, he would sit out in his backyard and shoot birds and stuff. And then, like, like there was one night we were in the car. I was driving him back to his house, and he tells me to stop the car. He jumps out of his car, or my car, and then runs into someone's yard in the middle of the pitch black into their bush trying to get an armadillo. Certainly not me. Certainly not what I do. But we were like best buddies and and all that in in high school, and um and we still talk. But me and his dad talk pretty frequently. Still, we text a lot. I'll get texts from Coach. That's what I call him. I'll get texts from him a lot, and uh, many times it'll be screenshots of things that I tweet. And I tweet things that are inappropriate. Sometimes I'll say fuck or doo doo or pp or whatever, and um and he'll screenshot this to me. And then he'll just send those back to me. And other part of the relationship is his wife, Ms. Gina, uh, was such a wonderful person. And I love both of them very much. Like, we had the kind of relationship where I could just show up at their house, open the door, walk in, sit down. Even if nobody was there, I could just sit on the couch and hang out and watch TV. Like, that was the kind of relationship we had. But what Coach will do is he'll screenshot a picture of, of something I tweeted. You know, something inappropriate, something filthy, whatever. And he'll screenshot it, send it back to me with the uh, like the kind of shoulder shrug emoji and say, look, I'm not going to tell Miss Gina about this. She isn't going to like it, but what are you doing? Like, that's the kind of relationship that me and Coach have. And he was my original basketball coach. He's the one that called me a candy ass. I never actually heard him call me a candy ass, but he called me a candy ass when I missed an open layup in a freshman game uh, you know, many moons ago, 2001, almost 20 years ago. It was over 20 years ago I missed an open layup in a freshman basketball game. I hear a slam on the chair, and I come back to the bench after a timeout, and I go, what was that? He goes, yeah, 
uh, coach uh, was just muttering to himself, asking if uh, Josh is going to be a candy ass his entire life. So we have a great relationship. Like, I love him very much. And I have a great relationship with a lot of teachers, people that are are great individuals, right? Like, I, I love them. Like, I, like when I was, I, I know I tell you guys this story all the time, but when I was in high school, I would leave early to go do a radio show. And that was because of my principal who let me leave to go do it. I eventually got to a point where I'd hang out in the teacher's lounge and drink coffee. And I didn't even like coffee, but I would drink coffee. Of course, they would get pissed about that. Eventually, the teachers got mad. So why the hell is this dude in here? And they kicked me out. But I had my moment. And I enjoyed high school. And I enjoyed teachers. Like, that's the thing about me, right? Like, I like independence. And I don't like being told what to do. But to a degree, I like having a boss. And I like being told what to do. If that makes any sense whatsoever, right? Like, I, I there's a part of me that needs either someone to impress or someone's approval. Like we all have fucked up things, right? Like we all have things that are messed up. We all have like things where we should probably go see a shrink, right? You can call them daddy issues. You can call whatever the hell you want to call them. But I don't view these as daddy issues because my dad has the same issue I have, which is you're always looking for some sort of validation. Now, maybe he had daddy issues and I'm just like third generation daddy issues, which might be very possible. But like, I'm always looking for someone to impress, right? Like I want them to go, hey, good job. That's kind of how I always am with bosses. So even though I like independence and I like fighting with management, like I like being told what to do so I can not do it, if that makes sense. But like I liked having teachers. I liked having a structure to a degree, right? Like I liked knowing that I had to be at school at a certain time. And I liked knowing that I had basketball practice every day and I had to be there. Because if I'm left to my own devices, there's a lot of things I'm not going to do. Right. Like, I know I have to be at this radio station by six o'clock and the radio show has to be on. I know that the Detroit radio show has to have content for it by six o'clock east. Thus, I have to have something in there by five o'clock central. Like, I know these things and that's why I'm here. But I like if I didn't, I'd be kind of lost. Like, I need that kind of like structure in my life. And that's why I loved basketball so much and practice because there was somewhere you had to be. And that takes me back to the idea of teachers. And, like, I know that teachers kind of get a bad rep now because of, like, libs of TikTok where you get these fucking lunatics on there who are telling your preschool kid to cut off his dick and be a girl. Like, I get that. Like, these people are lunatics and they're political nutbags and they're out there trying to, you know, put their political views and agenda on your kids. And I get that. There's a lot of them out there. But I think what's happened is we look at these people and we judge the whole based on a small amount, which is also something I'm extremely guilty of, as you know. Like last night when I said nobody liked the new content of the podcast and it was based on two people messaging me about it saying they didn't like the new content of the podcast, I turned it into everybody hates the podcast. Like, I get how people operate. You see a couple of cases of this and then it becomes, hey, teachers suck. But on this World Teacher Day or Teacher Appreciation Day, it is important to note that there are some damn good teachers out there and people that I had such a good relationship with and that I loved. And they are people that truly care. There are people out there whose kids are, I mean, they don't make any money. These teachers make nothing. I bitch about the money I make. These teachers make dick. And if you get into this profession knowing you're going to make dick, you really want to be a teacher and you care about the people you're teaching. And I believe that. So there are a lot of good ones out there. There's also a lot that fuck their students, and I never got to be one of them. Actually, let me share a story with you, and it has nothing to do with me banging a teacher or anything, although like, I think that's one of the ultimate fantasies that people have is you know, to be able to bang it out with a teacher. I never lived that life, of course. I would have loved to have lived that life, but with only really one teacher that I ever had. It was a teacher named uh, 
Uh, I'll call her Mrs. G is what I'll call her for the sake of saving the name here, okay? Mrs. G. Now, Mrs. G or Miss G was a new teacher at my high school when I was a freshman. Let me rewind here. And I got a lot of stuff to get into here, but let me rewind here for a second on this World Teacher Day or Teacher Appreciation Day or whatever the hell it's called. So when I got to high school, for some reason they placed me in the AP math class. I'm like, why the hell am I in the AP math class? Like, I don't, I'm an idiot. I tried, I tried it for two weeks. I was awful. I couldn't do it. I'm like, I don't know this. All my buddies were in there. My best friends were all in AP math. All the hot chicks I knew were in AP math. I, I could, I just, it's not for me. AP math is not. Put me in AP English, I can handle it. AP history, I can handle it. AP uh, math, I mean, no, fuck, I can't do it. So my stepmom, Jody, fresh off her starring role in dad's homemade porn that I didn't get a chance to watch. Jody comes to the school and tells the principal that I need to be in a, you know, a lower class. Problem is there was no space in any of these lower classes. There was one class available. And this was like the dangerous minds of classes, right? Like it had, like I was in there. Well, I eventually got added to it. But it was basically dopes who failed math every year they were in school. They're all like juniors and seniors. And they kind of seem like a criminal element. And they seem like they fight all the time. And like they're the kind of people who like are like straight from central casting in a dangerous minds-ish type movie. Right, that's who these kids in this class were. Like they would be, you know, like you know, like like like, like a guy would just have like a switchblade in class. Like it didn't literally happen, but if this were like some over the top, you know, stay, you know, uh, 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 movie where you know the principal has to go in with a baseball bat and take out the fucking students, like there'd be a kid that's like carving his name into a desk type of thing, right? Like that's how this class was. And then there was new to high school Josh Ennis sitting there being scared shitless of all these dudes that looked like they were all going to kick my ass. And they were all clearly morons. So like they didn't have anything to lose. So I get into this class and there's a, a male teacher. He's a Hispanic teacher. And I, Hernandez might've been his last name. And that's again, not to be stereotypical, but he was a mustachioed Hispanic man. And his last name was Hernandez. So Mr. Hernandez was the teacher, and he would basically fight with these kids every day. They would harass him and make his fucking life miserable. I remember vividly a kid named Wilbur T., a black kid in class named Wilbur T., and he and this Mr. Hernandez would go at it all the time. And one day it all kind of came to a head because Wilbur T. had an issue with some other dude in class. I forgot if he was a black kid or a white kid, whatever, some dopey kid. And he had, he had issue in the math class with him. I'm sitting there just trying to do algebra and stuff. Hold on, let me kill this bed for a second. We haven't gotten to the sexy part yet, so I'm going to turn that down. So what happened was Wilbur was upset with this other dude. And the dude was on one side of the class, kind of by the exit door. And Wilbur was on the other side of the class. And he stood up and started lotioning his hands. It's very weird. He put took out some lotion and started rubbing lotion all over his hands. And he kept staring directly at this dude. And he's just like kind of waiting, waiting. I'm like, what the, what the hell is going to go on here? This shit's crazy, bro. Like, what is happening? How did I get here? So he's, you know, I'm just, just kind of like, you know, feeble little dude in there. Like, what, what's happening? I'm a freshman. What are you guys doing? Is this how it happens in every senior class? Is this what's going to happen when I'm a senior? Does, do, do people look like they're crazy? So he starts rubbing the lotion on his hands, and he looks over, and Mr. Hernandez is like, Wilbur T., sit down. Wilbur, sit down. Right? In stereotypical Hispanic guy voice. I'm looking for a differentiation here. 
like I'm doing like a foundry or, or a wondry uh, <laughs> podcast piece, doing shitty impressions in here. Like I like I'm doing business wars, but he, but uh, the principal or the uh, teacher, Mr. Hernandez, he might have gone by Doctor Hernandez too. I don't remember, but he's like he's like Wilbur T, sit down. He was almost like Selena's dad, like like it's not a boosty thing, it's a bra. So he says, sit down, Wilbur T. And uh, he starts rubbing his hands. And then, like, he just snaps and charges this other dude and just, like, form tackles his ass. And they just start fighting it out on the ground. And they end up, like, out in the hallway and shit. And it was legit. At least that's how I remembered. It. it happened something similar to that. And I just remember Mr. Hernandez or Dr. Hernandez or whatever the fuck it was he went by, like, pulls the guy off of him. He's like, Wilbur T, calm down. Calm down, Wilbur T. And he just starts, like, pulling him off of him and shit. And eventually they come grab these guys and get couple days later, as I recall, Dr. Hernandez was no longer the teacher. It might have been like after Christmas. Dr. Hernandez was like, the fuck out. Like, he just disappeared. In comes this blonde-haired young teacher, and her name was Mrs. G, or Miss G is what we'll call her. Now, Miss G... She was a blonde young chick. I think she had graduated from our high school not too long before that. Like, not when I was in school. I wouldn't have known her. But she probably was in the school in the late 90s or, you know, mid-90s. This is in the early 2000s when this happened. I believe 2001, 2002. So she arrives, and she's just, she's hot, you know. And she's got the blonde hair, and she's always got, like, bright red lipstick on. Got kind of a southern accent about her, you know. Nice ass. everything. She looked great. And that made that miserable class with these Neanderthals that had no future, and me, of course, it made that class so much more bearable. And the people kind of calmed down a little bit. I think it's mostly because they just wanted to look at her. Like, I think they found it easy to just mess with the, the Hispanic dude with the mustache named Mr. Hernandez. This chick they had a little bit more respect for, like slightly, if for no other reason she was hot. And I just, I was infatuated with this chick. And I can't think of any other teachers that I was ever actually infatuated with. Like, oh my God, this chick is so hot. You know? Now, uh, I don't know whatever became of this teacher. I think she got married and stayed at the school for a while. I don't even know that I ever really talked to her about anything. Or, you know, like I might raise my hand on occasion. But like, I would just stare at this chick. She was ample bosomed, this woman. That's what I remember about her. Like, she was just hot, man. And I was just very turned on as, you know, 15, 16-year-old dopey Josh with my blonde tips that were left over from when I fried my hair with, you know, hair coloring product. But I was very into this chick. And that was like the lone hot teacher I had. Like, I'm sure there were some cute teachers, but this was the lone, like, hot teacher I had. And she was very alluring. And she may still be there. I don't know. Uh, that was many moons ago. I don't know if she's still hot or not. I mean, that was 20 years. Damn, that was fucking 20 years ago. The hell does the time go, man? But I'm sure everybody's got a teacher that they have a love or respect for and appreciation for. Um, and, th- and that's why, like, you see the way t- teachers get treated now because all we see is libs of TikTok, libs of TikTok. They're indoctrinating their kids. They want your son to cut his dick off. They don't want to tell you that your kids are gay. Yes, there are some major assholes who are searching for political clout on social media who are fucking with your kids, and those people need to be stopped. They are imbeciles. And we usually hear about them getting whacked. After they post dumb shit on libs of TikTok, they're stupid people. They should not be teaching your kids. But there are also a lot of people who've been teaching 20, 30 years, making no money, that genuinely do want your kids to succeed. And I think that's important to note. That's important to remember that not every teacher is a libs of TikTok, nose ring, blue hair, Doc Martens piece of shit. Some of them are legitimately fine people. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now, so last night, and I recorded a podcast with Jilly last night talking about Aaron Judge. Real talk. When I recorded that... I did not realize that there was a double header for the Yankees and the judge was going to play another game. That just shows you how little I care about Aaron Judge breaking this this home run record, if you will. But like to give you a story, to give you kind of an idea, and people made a huge deal out of this this home run last night, and and they've made a big deal out of it all year. And I say people, it's mostly Yankees fans and media people. That's who seemingly gives a damn about this. Other than that, I truly don't believe that anybody you know, outside of those two groups of people really give a damn. And, of course, the Yahoos who don't view steroid users as legitimate uh, record holders, which baseball begs to differ, friend. They are. Baseball would say these guys still hold the record, so deal with it. But that said, so let's rewind. 1998. You guys know I'm a Cardinals fan. So the McGuire thing was bigger to me because I was a Cardinals fan. If I rooted for the Reds or I rooted for the Brewers or I rooted for the Mariners, the McGuire thing probably wouldn't have meant as much to me as it did. That said, it meant a whole hell of a lot to me, and it meant a whole hell of a lot to the country. The country was captivated by the McGuire-Sosa thing. That's just reality. I mean, a lot of you guys listening were in Houston. The place would be full for batting practice to watch McGuire or Sosa hit home run balls in batting practice. Every stadium, a lot of Philly people, the vet would be filled with people at batting practice to watch this. This truly captivated the world. It was the biggest story of that summer. It was gigantic. There are documentaries that have been made about it. It is huge. It is a massive thing. So I was a kid at the time. I was 12. And like I made sure dad let me stay in Missouri for a lot of the summer so I could watch all these home runs. And I can still hear the home run calls. The, the see you later from Bob Carpenter calling McGuire home runs. And then I could hear the Chip Carey home run calls from WGN. Swung on, belted. Like, like all that stuff. Like It was so awesome, and I was glued to it, and I was obsessed with it, and every pitch mattered, and the world cared about it, and there were cutteds. I remember when McGuire, on a Saturday afternoon, I think at the time he had 59 or 60 home runs. Saturday afternoon, they're playing the Cincinnati Reds, I believe is who it was. Fox game of the week, McGuire comes up, gets rung up on a third strike. He gets tossed in the first inning in front of a sold-out crowd on national television. Like And people booed and wanted to riot. That's how big of a deal this was. Like It captivated the world. That was a legit big deal. I remember where I was. Like I saw a tweet from MLB. Remember where you were when Aaron Judge broke the, uh, the AL home run record? Yeah, I'll tell you where the fuck I was. I'll tell you where I wasn't. In my living room, glued to the game, waiting to call my grandpa, waiting to call uh, my best friend to celebrate McGuire hitting the home run. That's what it was when I was in, you know, 12 years old in uh, Port Allen, Louisiana. 
It was awesome. It was killer. Like, I was obsessed. I remember when Sosa would pull ahead of McGuire, he did a home run. I would, like, go straight up Philly fan and start flipping off the TV when Sosa would hit a home run. Because WGN every game was on. So I would literally yell at my TV as a 12-year-old. I think that's where I learned to be a dickhead sports fan. I would just be like, fuck you, Sosa. Fuck you, motherfucker. And like, my dad's like, what the hell are you doing? Sosa just hit a home run. Like, I was into it and obsessed with it. It was, it was like life or death. So I watched 9898 was the day. September 8th, 1998, Steve Traxel gives up the shortest home run of the year to Mark McGuire. Maris has come out, they hug and everything. I call my best friend, Martin. I call my grandpa. Me and my dad are watching it together. It's this awesome moment. We're all celebrating. I see the tweet last night. Remember where you were when Aaron Judge hit number 62. I'll tell you exactly where I was, Chief. I was sitting in my bathtub, shower on, scrolling through Twitter, and didn't even fucking realize the game was on. That's where I was. That's what I was doing. I was literally forgetting that this game was even happening. And if it weren't for New York people and it weren't for the sports media people who were doing live cut-ins to something that's not even a fucking record, nobody would know or care about this. In big picture, I don't think most people know or care about this. But just remember, and I I bet you there were a bunch of people like that last night, didn't even realize the game was happening, didn't care the game was happening, and certainly aren't going to sit back and go, yep, I remember where I was when old uh, Aaron Judge blasted number 62. I guarantee all of you guys know where you were for 62 for McGuire. I guarantee it. I guarantee as you listen to this now, you at least remember part of where you were, where you were, who you were hanging out with, how big of a deal it was. I think it was a Wednesday. It was Tuesday or Wednesday, a midweek game. They were about to go on the road, so it really needed to get done that night, and it did. But I guarantee, I guarantee you that some of you remember trying to get tickets to go to the Dome or go to the Vet or wherever you listen to see McGuire take BP and see history. I guarantee that. I also guarantee that the vast majority of you couldn't give two shits about what happened last night. Now, the Maris family does give two shits because the Maris family uh, wants you to know that uh, they celebrate Aaron Judge, and they view themselves in the majority, by the way. They said that in all caps. The Maris family views uh, the home run that was hit last night as the official all-time home run record and that Aaron Judge is the single-season home run leader. That might be the most self-serving tweet in the history of the universe. Now, their reasoning, of course, is that McGuire and Bonds and Sosa and all these guys were taking steroids. If we're going to use Maris family logic, let's use Maris family logic for a second on uh, the home run king. So the single season home run king is now Aaron Judge because he's done it clean, right? Well, let us not forget that Barry Bonds, I mean, we're disregarding Barry Bonds' single season, so we have to disregard his all-time home run record of 762. So he's no longer the all-time leader in home runs career, so we have to eliminate him. Babe Ruth, who I believe is now fourth or third all-time in home runs total, Babe Ruth can't count because he didn't hit against minorities, no blacks, no Hispanics, no Asian dudes, right? So he can't count. And uh, Hank Aaron has admitted to taking amphetamines, which are no good. You can't take amphetamines. He was taking greenies like everybody else was, but he's admitted to it. So he can't count. Those are the top three home run hitters of all time. Who is currently uh, number four all-time on the home run list with 703 career home runs? The correct answer is Albert Pujols. And last time I checked, Albert Pujols has never been popped for taking amphetamines 
or taking steroids. He came into the league in that era, towards the tail end of that era, but he's never been accused. He's never been uh, convicted of any of that, right? So I, taking Maris family logic, I am determining and declaring that Albert Pujols is the all-time home run champion with 703 home runs! You did it, Albert! Now you hear that and you go, Josh, now that's just absurd. You're a moron, right? You'd hear that. That's how dumb the Maris people sounded yesterday. They are delusional wackos. Uh, The all-time home run leader is Barry Bonds for a single season. That is 73, and Aaron Judge has to hit 11 to get to that number and 12 to break it. So thank you. It's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. I was talking to my agent yesterday. She's telling me about how, like, I'm, like, about my whole contract situation and what's next and all that. I was talking with her yesterday. And um, she says... Yeah, I, I gotta. I, I'm not gonna be uh, able to talk for a while. I've got Yom Kippur, and then I just interrogated her about what all this means and what it means to be Jewish and shit. And what I came, what I came from all that is like, I'm really glad I'm not a religious person. Like, I don't judge you if you are. Be religious. Do whatever the hell it is you want to do. You want to believe in a god, believe in a god. You want to not believe. You want to go to church. Whatever it is you want to do, you do you. But I am like really glad that I uh, wasn't a, like, I'm not a religious person. Like, she's breaking down all the stuff she can eat and can't eat and how she's kosher and she's this. Never had shellfish, lobster, shrimp. I'm like, ma'am, that sounds like a shitty life. I'm not going to lie to you. And then she was explaining to me, like, like I didn't, I never really knew what kosher meant, right? I've just always heard kosher. I thought it had something to do with salt, which it partially does. She's telling me about kosher, and she's like, yeah, well, you know, we try to kill the animals, you know, with the sharpest of knives, so they get it without pain. I'm like, no, I'm fairly certain there was pain. You fucking killed them. So I, you can tell yourself whatever the fuck you want to tell yourself about kosher and all this shit. They're still dead. You still fucking ate them. But, uh, I, I mean, I end up talking to my agent for longer than I usually do, because normally she has to get on the phone with um, Nick Cannon and talk about his 14 kids, because she reps him as well. Uh, but we had a long conversation about Judaism. And uh, now she's in the midst of Yom Kippur, I believe, right now. So if I were to call her, I don't even know if I could talk with her. If there was an emergency, we couldn't talk. So that's unfortunate. But uh, anyway, one other quick thought. And this is a thought that I talk about a lot. But I saw a story about how uh, Tennessee, I'm, you know, because I'm on the radio in two Tennessee markets. I was looking at a story about how Tennessee uh, colleges are seeing lower enrollment. People aren't going to college. And they come up with all these reasons for why. I'll tell you the reason why people aren't going to college. Because college is a fucking scam. Learn a trade. Go out. In high school, we should be teaching kids how to weld, teaching kids how to do construction. If they want to. If they don't want it, then fuck them. But if there are kids that want to take construction classes, welding classes, mechanic classes, beautician classes, barber classes, cooking classes, we should be teaching more of that. Say, all right, you don't want to partake in PE. You don't want to go kick the ball around a little bit or play basketball. Well, let's go over here and let's learn how to bake a fucking cake. That's what we need to do more of. You know, there's always a job for people who have a skill. Like me, one day there will be no radio, thus there will be no place for me. And I understand this. I have one skill. My skill is to talk with people and try to entertain people and do a talk show, and that's it. I'm good at radio. That's what I've always been good at. That's who I am. 
One day, if that doesn't exist, I can't just walk in and go, well, I'm going to have my fallback plan of being a welder or a roofer. I don't have that. Now, eventually I go take a class for it. Like Meltzer. Meltzer got smart. Meltzer was in the midst of doing a morning radio show in Houston and decided, you know what, I'm going to become a lawyer. And now he's a fucking lawyer and radio is a secondary thing he does part-time. Meltzer was smart. And I used to bust his balls for that. Like, why aren't you committed to your job? He's just smarter than the rest of us. It's always good to have a fallback. But you sit there and wonder why kids don't go to college because a lot of these kids go to college, waste all this money, end up in crippling debt, and they're working at fucking Starbucks. Who wants to do that? What we need to get back to is in high schools, we need to be teaching people stuff. You know, we did the bit about how Battle didn't know how to change a tire. That should be something, you know, obviously your dad should teach you that shit or your mom or whomever. But in school, that should be something you learn. How to change your oil, that should be something you learn in school. What would be wrong with that? Like, do, like the whole point of school is to prepare young people for the next chapter in their life. Last time I checked, knowing the great details of the Civil War does not prepare you for the rest of your life. Like, when you really think about that, what's the fucking point? Like, you go to school and you're like, well, I just passed my history test. Great, you know shit that happened 200 years ago. How does that help you get a job today? Like, when you walk in to get a job at wherever you're trying to get a job, do they go, all right, before we let you in, tell me about, the, tell me about Antietam. Can you give me some details on that? No, it doesn't fucking matter unless you're trying to be on Jeopardy. Right. So what we should be focused on is teaching people more life skills. I wish I would have had more life skills. I wish I could have done that. And I think that's what we need to focus on. But people viewed it as almost a negative, like learning a trade makes you some sort of hillbilly redneck dope. But it doesn't. It's something you need to do. Your kids need to know skills. They need to have these these life skills and for no other reason just to have them. Like somehow home ec has become some sort of sexist thing. Men and women, girls and boys should be in home ec learning how to make a fucking pot of spaghetti or bake a cake. Why not? That's what we should be doing. Teach them. Teach them, please. All right. Anyway, with that, I'm going to get out of here. I love you guys. Tell your friends about the pod. Hope you've been enjoying it. We'll see you later.